Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nick Loper. He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Nick. Jordan, thanks for having me. Just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into becoming the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. Years and years of practice. Um, my background in entrepreneurship started back in college. Like I was painting houses during the summers, and uh, that kind of bit me with the entrepreneurial bug. It was my first taste of uh, working for profits and not wages, and my first taste of dealing with the downsides of running your own business, right? Like a bunch of 19-year-olds with paint sprayers. What could go wrong? Um, but fast forward, post-graduation, um, I was my first kind of like online side hustle, my first kind of side hustle on the side from a corporate gig was a footwear comparison shopping site. So this is, um, at this point, uh, over 10 years ago, back when Back when people didn't just start their product searches on Amazon, they started them on Google. And so the uh, comparison shopping site or comparison shopping game was a little bit bigger than it is today, right? Like, where can I find the best price on product XYZ? So I built that out uh, specifically for footwear and collected commissions from Zappos and Amazon and all these other um, online footwear retailers. And that was the vehicle that let me uh, quit my job. Uh-huh. And so just tell us a little bit about the, the, the uh, experience of side hustling, I guess you might say. How big is it today, and, and why are people doing side hustles as opposed to taking traditional corporate jobs? A couple of reasons. So to, to address your first point, side hustling is perhaps more popular today than it ever has been. And in generations past, this is not a completely new thing. Maybe the, the terminology surrounding it is. Um, in generations past, this might have been called moonlighting. People have been investing in real estate, rental properties for generations, right? So it's not necessarily anything new, although a lot of the kind of online uh, business opportunities and, and some of the gig economy type of opportunities certainly are. But the latest data is something like close to 50% of millennials have some sort of side hustle, 44 million Americans overall. And the the factors kind of playing into that are twofold. Uh, the first side is the is the less positive side, the, you know, I need this extra income in response to rising costs in healthcare, housing, education. Um, I need this extra income to make ends meet. And that's kind of depressing. And that kind of paints a weird picture because like we're, we're in the strongest economy ever, you know, 10-year run on the bull market, record low unemployment, yet all of these people are still having a hard time making ends meet. That's one side of it. The other side of it, which is, you know, more positive, more optimistic, more proactive, are the people who are working corporate gigs but are saying, okay, how can I use my free time more productively? How can I... Uh, use the hours that I have, the 24 hours in a day that we're all dealt, to build something that I care about, that pays me, that maybe is a little more time leveraged eventually than just trading hours for dollars, or you know maybe has this this entrepreneurial upside that my day job doesn't have. Let's go into the pros and cons of the gig economy. So let's start with the pros. I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but overall, what is the advantage of somebody, in effect, full time? 
doing side hustles instead of taking one job, which they spend most of their time at. So I would consider gig economy stuff, um, you know, the ones we're probably most familiar with are like driving for Lyft, um, you know, renting a room on Airbnb, um, you know, dog sitting on uh, rover.com or something like that, or even like doing errands for people, TaskRabbit, assembling IKEA furniture on TaskRabbit or something like that. The advantage to those, incredibly quickly, incredibly fast to get started, right? You can, you know, go through the kind of onboarding application process, very low overhead, very low startup costs to start these types of uh, businesses. The drawback, especially when it comes to like some of the driving related ones, the Ubers and Lyfts of the world or the DoorDash delivery people of the world, is there there's no special skill required. Like almost anybody can do it. And so there's a natural downward pressure on how much you can earn versus, you know, saying I'm a freelance uh, writer or I have the expertise in this particular area and I can can justify higher prices accordingly. Where else uh, yeah. Where else were we going with so, this? Uh, and for people who, so that's one of the downsides. What are some of the other downsides of uh, participating in the gig economy? So there's probably a ceiling. So you're still trading hours for dollars. And so there's a kind of a ceiling to, you know, realistically how much you can work. And at the same time, you're kind of playing in somebody else's sandbox. Like Uber has not been shy about, hey, we're test driving this fleet of self-driving cars. If you get negative feedback on their platform, they can boot you off. So there's the kind of the platform risk that goes along with that. Like you're not fully building your own brand. Yeah, you don't control the situation completely. But other side hustles, you do control your situation, right? There's some that when you're trading time for dollars, you don't. But we're going to get into it in more detail. But there's lots of them where you do control the situation, right? To, to, a, to a greater degree, for sure. So, you know, I'm still reliant on uh, Google for, you know, discovery. If, you know, if people searching for different side hustle ideas, they might come across my site. Um, I'm still reliant on iTunes and some other distribution platforms to get my podcast out into the world, but I do have a little bit more control than if I was just, you know, renting my house on Airbnb and 100% reliant on that market for on that marketplace for customers. Yeah. Now there are what you call the big three business models. I'm going to go into this again in more detail, but what are the big three business models that people can choose from, or even do a little bit of each in side hustles? Sure. So the big three, and this is not just side hustles, this is, you know, almost every business in the world falls under one of these three categories. These are selling a service. So saying, hey, I can solve this problem for uh, an individual customer, or I can solve this problem for a business owner. Selling a product, this could be a physical product, this could be a digital product, you know, if you can package up your knowledge and expertise in a certain way. We've seen some people, some interesting examples of that, people selling courses on how to bake sourdough bread, how to play the piano, how to uh, sell microgreens at your local farmer's market, all sorts of fun stuff there. And it could even be uh, what I'll call hybrid products, which could be a physical product that you never touch. Like So there's a lot of uh, print-on-demand platforms that have popped up. Amazon has gotten into this game in a big way where it's like, I can upload a, uh, a design, say a t-shirt design, or even a physical book or journal design with no physical inventory, Amazon will print that out and ship that to your customer when somebody orders it. Um, drop shipping might be another example of like a hybrid business model where the supplier, it, once you negotiate these kind of like wholesale supplier relationships, they'll ship 
that product to the end customer for you. So you don't have to just have this big um, inventory risk or storage facility logistics network uh, of your own. But you can tap into that. And then the third business model is the audience business model, the attention business model. This is the business model that obviously Facebook and Google have used um, to tremendous success. They were going to build a cool resource. People are going to come by and use that. And we're going to monetize that audience, usually with advertising. Terrific. All right, we're going to give some examples of all of them. And again, there's many, many different ways of doing side hustles. How does somebody figure out what's best for them based on the amount of time they have, the skills they have, and what they enjoy doing. Of all the different choices, how do they pick what's best for them? I'm trying to come up with like the, the best answer to that because nobody ever, they, you know, I've had 300 people on the podcast and nobody ever says, oh, well, I was Googling side hustle ideas and I, you know, I just scrolled down to number 17 on the list and said, all right, let's do it. It always or it almost always comes from some combination of uh, a pre-existing skill set or interest or network or like in into a certain community. So um, like if I were to start a, well, I'll give a real example. Like I started a proofreading and editing business for nonfiction books uh, a few years ago. And that came about just as a result of like, hey, I'd written a couple of books myself at that point. So I was embedded in a couple of these Facebook communities for self-published authors. And on top of that, I was like, hey, I was a decent English student in school. I can, you know, I, can, I know how to read. I can, I can figure this out. And as a result, started this editing business and niched down to say, I, I just want to read nonfiction and then eventually niched down even more to say, I really only kind of want to read your business books because some of these other nonfiction topics like aren't really in my wheelhouse. If you've got vampire romance, like I'm not your guy. But if you're writing in this topic area, that's something that I feel like I can add value, help you craft a better narrative, help you craft a better book out of. And it turned out to be a, a pretty fun little side business for a couple of years there. So the main thing or side hustle should come out of your own experience, your own interest to some extent, and build on what you've already done as opposed to start something that you've never done at all before. Is that right? Yeah, the last thing that you need is a second job that you hate. So something doesn't necessarily need to be an undying passion of yours, but something that you have enough interest in to drive things forward. And then thinking that customers really only pay for skills and have their problems solved, you know, so it definitely helps to start a business around your uh, around your skill. And the maybe the exception to that, because I've been in the position of like, well, I don't have any skills is to say, well, first of all, you know, you, you have the ability to learn new ones, like, you know, get rid of that fixed mindset. And second thing is, like, maybe there's, you know, to play one level higher. So we've had a couple interesting stories on the show where uh, one example is a, a graphic design service called Design Pickle, which when I spoke to the founder, they were doing like $400,000 a month in uh, recurring revenue. So it's unlimited graphic design requests for 350, 400 bucks a month. And what he told me, Russ Perry, was I sucked. The truth is I sucked at design. And I was like, well, how did this work? So he kind of skipped the traditional freelance step of like, hey, I have this skill. I'm going to go offer to clients. He said, no, I'm going to play connector between these businesses I know need graphic design and customer and, uh, and designers overseas, in his case, who could get that work done. Yeah, so he's putting, the, the value he was adding was putting the providers together with the customers, which is, and you don't have to have the skill yourself, but just putting them together is the, the value you're bringing in that case. Is that right? 
Yeah, exactly. And we've seen people do this in uh, in house cleaning. It was another really interesting example. He said, like, I looked on Yelp and nobody was complaining about the cleaning. They were complaining, I couldn't get a quote. I couldn't, uh, you know, I didn't know when these people were going to come out. He's like, well, crap, I could do that. And set up a really interesting business by branding a fragmented commoditized industry. Very good. We're going to make a, take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Nick Loper. He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com, an expert on the whole new field of side hustling. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nick Loper. He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thanks again. So just tell us a little bit, what can people find at SideHustleNation.com? And not only what's there, but tell us a little bit about the community that has kind of built around that. Sure. So... SideHustleNation.com is my home base, and it started in 2013 on the side from the comparison shoe shopping side I was telling you about, almost as this experiment, especially on the podcast side, to to kind of build a personal brand. Like, 
realizing like, hey, I want to talk about, you know, kind of a little bit of, of soul searching during that time to say like, what do you want to be known for when somebody Googles you? And it was this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship, this, um, look, you don't have to, you know, you may have heard the definition of an entrepreneur as somebody who jumps off the cliff and figures out how to build their parachute on the way down. Like that stresses me out to no end. It's like, no, start something small, start something on the side, make it low risk and build it up, you know, as you, as your time allows, as you're comfortable with, uh, because that was my background. And then through the podcast, the really, the light bulb moment for me was through the side hustle show was not in showcasing my own expertise, because I certainly don't have all the answers, but connecting with people who who do and sometimes would charge, you know, $1,000 an hour for consulting. But hey, because you have the podcast, and you know this from doing the show as long as you have, is, hey, they're right. willing to talk to you for free if, you know, hey, you will, we'll do this on air. And that has been a, like I thought of myself as a writer first, but the podcast is really what is kind of the brand has become known for, is showcasing these different business ideas, these different um, entrepreneurial stories every week has been a truly life-changing experiment that, again, just started as a little side project, but within a year and a half, it was kind of my main focus. And so is there a community where people connect to each other, not through you, uh, to share ideas and and, uh, share business uh, concepts? The biggest community aspect is uh, through the Facebook group. So that's sidehustlenation.com slash FB, and that'll redirect uh, over there. Probably twelve or 13,000 people in there at this point. A very positive and supportive group of people you know, sharing ideas and offering feedback and suggestions and tips on a whole array of different business models. Excellent. So uh, when does it make sense to transition from something to a side hustle to make it into a full-time business? For me, I wanted a track record of revenue. Um, and you know, I can't, it's been, it's been you know, almost 10 years or over 10 years. So for me, I want to see, you know, six to 12 months of earnings history to at least cover my monthly fixed expenses. Like if I haven't replaced my day job salary yet, that's okay because hopefully I'm living below my means. But I would like to at least have it to the point where I can cover my expenses and have had some proof that I've been able to do that for some time. And then you can kind of see with an extra 40, 50 hours a week to dedicate to this, I think I can get it up to my income level and hopefully beyond. How can a service business scale? I mean, how do you know if it can grow I mean, because you can only have, as you say, 24 hours, there's only so much time you can do. But if you can scale it and have other people doing it and you get a piece of that, that's where the real leverage comes in. How do you know if a service business is appropriate to scale? Yeah, so going this subcontractor route is definitely one way uh, to go about it. We've seen people, um, actually, a friend of mine hosts uh, urban hiking tours in San Francisco. And she's like, oh, yeah, I saw... Uh, walking tours and bike tours and even like Segway tours. She's like, hey, but there were no hiking tours and she loved to hike in the city. So she set up this business to do just that. And when we spoke, she was on, she was like in New York. I was like, wait, well, who's hosting this afternoon's hike? She's like, oh, I got people for that now. So that was really interesting. You know, there are often ways to remove yourself from the delivery of the product uh, or delivery of the service that, uh, that you may not even think about. So that's one way to do it. 
um, another, you know, the other way that she scaled that business is by creating a product. Like for people who don't necessarily have or want to spend the $50 to go on one of her guided hikes, like she wrote the book on urban hiking San Francisco. So you can take kind of a, one of a virtual tour in, uh, in that way through the book. So that allowed her to uh, turn that service into a product. But there are, uh, there are quite a few ways. The, the subcontractor way is probably the most popular. One way that my wife and her partner have scaled their photography business was simply raising their rates. So they started off at some obscenely low rates because these brides were taking a risk on a couple of rookie photographers that had no portfolio on their wedding day. So it was a big risk for them. But uh, over the years, they've probably 20xed their, their rates from those early shows. So it's, it's another way to kind of remove that as you kind of hit the capacity in your service business. Like, well, let's, let's time to uh, increase the price tag on it. Uh-huh, great. What are some productivity tips for growing a business? If you only have limited hours, what are some ways you can be more productive and really scaling it up? The most common answer that I get um, from asking my own community this question is to carve out the time uh, make it a habit daily, like put it on the calendar. And preferably, I was surprised how often this came up, uh, preferably first thing in the morning, like just set that alarm clock half an hour earlier, 60 minutes earlier, and try and get it up, get it in before the kids get up. Um, that way you have your best, most clearest energy and focus for the day. And by the time you start your day job, or even before you start your commute, you know you've made like some positive momentum, some positive progress toward your goals. And I've found the same thing to be super powerful. One thing that I try to make a habit of doing is to name my top three priorities for tomorrow, the, the night before. So when I get up and get to work, I know exactly what I need to work on and in what order. And I don't have this 45-minute uh, ramp-up period of checking email and checking Facebook. It's like, nope, this is what yesterday Nick said was important. So let's go tackle that first, and then we can dive into more reactive mode. Very good. Now, there are four different types of passive income that the uh, side hustles fit into. What are those uh, four types? Oh, geez, you're, you're quizzing me on this stuff. I gotta, <laughs> might have to go look up and, uh, and reference this. Uh, the one that people are probably most familiar with is the make money with money option, which would be uh, you know, dividend investing or even just traditional investing. Like, I'm going to buy a cash-flowing asset and have it pay me you know, returns on that. Like that's what most people are familiar with. And it's fantastic. It works if you have money to invest. The other uh, You have to have capital area, to get started with yes, that. <laughs> exactly. Very capital intensive. The other areas focus more on like, okay, what what can you do if you don't necessarily have that upfront investment capital? And so those have been the areas that I've focused on a lot, especially during the growth phase. So passive income method number two is to build those own build those own assets that can spin off cash flow, that could be under especially under the audience business model we talked about earlier, where it's like okay, I'm going to build a resource that's worth paying attention to in the online world. That's oftentimes a, a blog or a website, a podcast or a YouTube channel, where it's like okay, now I have this body of work that is getting crawled and indexed in these different search engines. People come to that site, they click on affiliate links, there's advertising on the site, or there's ads on my YouTube channel. So it's a it's become a passive income asset, but it didn't take a ton of time, didn't take a ton of money rather to start, but it did take 
usually a, a lot of time and effort to kind of get off the ground and get to that point. The third area of passive income that is perhaps overlooked is, you know, the the assets that you may already own or control. So this is the, you know, Airbnb model where it's like, okay, I already have this spare bedroom that, you know, grandma and grandpa come to visit, you know, two weekends a year, but the rest of the time it sits idle. Like, could you put that to use? I think there are some other interesting ones that are kind of popping up, especially in the uh, you know, even the vehicle sharing space, some friends of ours in San Diego, they were super excited about this because they were like, hey, we both work from home. We don't need two cars at once. They're just sitting in the driveway. So they started renting them out on Turo.com, T-U-R-O, and ended up like totally neutralizing their lease payments on these cars and then started earning enough to like pay for a Tesla. And they were like, this is our dream car. They were so excited about it. So that's kind of a way to, you know, make money with the assets that you maybe already have. And I wouldn't necessarily call those particularly passive, but certainly time leveraged because you're not, you know, providing a specific service in exchange for however many hours you worked. And then the fourth one is something that, you know, people don't pay a ton of attention to. And that's just like the reverse passive income. If I can cut my monthly expenses, if I can save something that's drawing $50 a month, $100 a month from my account every time, that's perhaps even better than earning fifty or hundred dollars a month, because of if you earned a hundred dollars a month, you have to pay income taxes on it. But if you save it, it's just straight to your bottom line. Terrific. Well, we're going to go into detail on all four different types uh, when we come back from the break. Um, again, my uh, this is the uh, Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. My guest this hour uh, is Nick Loper. He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. You can go there and see his blog and his podcast, and there's a whole community to join, uh, learning everything about uh, side hustling. So uh, we'll be back with more details on all this after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nick Loper. 
He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com, an expert on the whole gig economy and side hustling. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thanks again. So on your SideHustleNation.com website, you have a whole list of different kind of potential side hustles, what you call 23 passive income streams. And we're just going to briefly go through a few just to give people a sense of what some of the possibilities and, and how those might work. Well, one of the first ones is affiliate commissions, uh, kind of affiliate marketing. And tell us a little bit about how that works. You bet. So this is like my original side hustle going back from uh, 2004, 2005, 2006 in the shoe business, like trying to sell footwear uh, online. Essentially, affiliate marketing is you know helping another company sell their product and service online. And that means in exchange for that lead or that customer, they're going to pay you a percentage of that sale. For uh, physical goods, that may range from, you know, one or 2%, especially for, you know, computer hardware and stuff like that, very low margin. Um, In the footwear space, that was around 10 to 20% when I started. Um, It kind of crept down uh, over time. But in the digital product space, like if you're helping uh, a friend of yours sell their online course that might be a fit for your audience, that could be 30, 40, 50% uh, commission on that on that sale because the incremental costs to deliver it are so low. And there are platforms to go to. You don't have to find them yourself. There are platforms to go to that already have plenty of companies ready to pay you affiliate commissions, right? Correct. So Commission Junction is a uh, is one of the main ones I've been using for years. Shareasale.com, uh, Rakuten, Linkshare um, was called Linkshare back in the day, and then Impact uh, or Impact Radius is another one where you can kind of find their aggregators for these different offers. So you got to see what would be a fit for your people, what would be a fit for your audience, and see if you can plug that in. The next one is podcast advertising. So a lot of people have podcasts today. How do you attract advertising? And just roughly, what do you charge for it? How could you know how to price these things? Oh, my gosh. It is the wild, wild west when it comes to uh, pricing podcast advertising. So I don't know if there's any hard and fast rules for this. But this is something that didn't happen overnight. But around three years deep into the show, sponsors started reaching out to me or potential sponsors started reaching out to me. Um, hey, would you like, you know, we'd, we'd like to get in front of your audience. Like, what would you charge for a uh, an advertisement spot on your show? And it's just kind of up to you to begin that negotiation. Some of the baseline numbers might be uh, $25 per every thousand Listeners, so if you have uh, ten thousand people listening to your podcast, uh, what's that? Two hundred fifty dollars for uh, for a mid roll right. spot might be a baseline starting point. But you can create a package like, okay, we're going to do a three month run. We're going to you know include you on our show notes page and our YouTube channel and in our email newsletter and in our social media, and you kind of make it an attractive deal for for the sponsor. And if you have a super niche audience where there's nowhere else they can get in front of those people. Like they might pay, they might be willing to pay uh, exponentially more than that. And I've seen some some friends do that in some very targeted spaces. Like a friend of mine runs a podcast for HVAC technicians and specifically like teaching them the skills of like how to become an HVAC uh, technician and has some incredible sponsors with the air conditioning part manufacturers because they're like 
these are the exact people that we Where need else to are reach. Where you going to find these people? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like the most random niche thing, but he's done really, really well with it. Terrific. The next one is Kindle book sales. So uh, this is if you write a book, uh, you can sell it online. How does that work? Yeah, so I really like these types of business models, and affiliate marketing is, is similar, where you can kind of create this asset once, hopefully this, you know, in the case of affiliate marketing, like a really definitive article that it tends to pick up traffic and rankings in Google. On Kindle, Amazon has opened up the, the floodgates to self-published authors, for better or worse. On the positive side, it's you know super easy for anybody to publish a book. And for me, that was really exciting to, uh, to, to put my book up for sale on like the world's largest store, and then a few months later, get my first royalty check and I still it was less than $50 so I don't want to make it like sound like this was you know some crazy you know get rich quick thing but it was super rewarding like I'm a professional author somebody bought my thing and since then uh, you know I've added uh, a bunch more books to the portfolio and it's this really cool thing like the surprising thing for me was um, so I had a website and I actually still do it was on the topic of you know hiring and working with uh, virtual assistants kind of um you know, administrative support or business support um, that's not directly in your office. And I thought people would come to the website, see that, oh, this guy wrote the book on the topic, you know, let's go check it out. Almost the opposite ended up happening. People would instead search on Amazon for this topic and then buy the book and then discover the website. So it kind of opened my eyes, not only to the, you know, author royalty piece of it, but to Amazon as a discovery engine. Like, what is your topic that, you know, people might be Googling for it. Sure, your website hopefully will show up. But just as often, and perhaps even more valuable, is Amazon is being a search engine of buyers. Like, what are they searching for on Amazon? Are they finding you there? And they're looking for books. They're looking for Kindles on Amazon and find you that way. Yes. I don't know. Have you gone yeah. down that path That's at all? So- I know you've got the affiliate site or your, your website presence and the podcast. Like, have you done the, the Kindle thing? Yeah, I've done 14 books myself, and they're electronic as well. Uh, but the, the next step is actually to print them out. So Amazon has this print-on-demand service, I guess. So the same thing that's electronic can also be printed, and they ship it. Is that the, the idea of that? Yes, and so this is really rewarding, especially when you can like you know get, get a copy in hand and show it off. You're like, hey, you know, now, now it becomes real. And uh, that's been really cool. So uh, it's called KDP Print, all under you know, Amazon's Kindle publishing platform, you know, no physical inventory, you don't have to have a garage full of books. And incredibly, I don't, I don't understand how they make any margin on this, but like, you know, their cost to print this book would be like $2.73 or something. And it's like free prime shipping for the customer. You're like, okay, um, it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> and you can charge whatever you want for it, basically. Yes. Yeah, you set your own the, price. The next, and sure. kind of the latest side hustle du jour or the latest kind of side hustle gold rush that's come across my desk is the concept of publishing uh, low content books. And what I mean by that is historically self-publishing has been like, all right, you know, it's me and my, uh, me and my uh, computer and I'm going to pump out 35,000 words on a topic that I know a lot about and that's going to be my book. The low content publishing is like, okay, I can create a journal on something you know, that I'm interested in. So some of the examples that people gave on the podcast were like, you know, a guitar tab journal or like a dog training journal or like a weightlifting journal. And, you know, it could be mostly blank inside, you know, maybe it's a page a day kind of prompt thing that you can people could fill in. And that was really 
interesting to me because that could shortcut, you know, it might take months to, you know, come up with the, all the content and editing for that book. But here's a way to, you know, get in the self-publishing game without that, you know, without that um, huge 30, 40,000 word brain dump. Just the categories, you don't need content. The, the, uh, the buyer of the book provides the content. It's kind of like Facebook, that the, the customer provides the content, in a case like that. And then the yes. next one is audiobooks. So uh, do people buy a lot of audiobooks today? For me, this was probably more important, and maybe for you as well, Like since people are familiar with my voice from the podcast, it, like, I wanted to record my own audiobooks in a couple cases. And it was, especially the first time, it was way harder than I thought it was going to be to read what I wrote word for word. And it was like, sometimes you do like 10 takes for one sentence. You're like, apparently that was a crappy sentence because I can't even read it. But it was um, one of my books called Buy Buttons. It earned about a couple grand, you know, worth of audiobook sales and uh, bounties. So that's the other piece of the audiobook game, which is like, if you can refer people too audible. If it's the, if it's their first audiobook, they pay you pretty handsomely for that. I think it's around fifty bucks for referring a new customer to them, more than you would earn just in a straight audiobook royalty. Yeah, and then the next one you have is to do online courses. Uh, there's something called Udemy. Is that the way it's pronounced? Uh, Udemy. Udemy.com. Uh, Udemy. Explain how that it's, works. Yeah, it's a peer-to-peer education platform with millions and millions of students at this point. I'm not sure how many instructors they have, but this is kind of cool because you can package up your knowledge and expertise. And maybe it's the same knowledge and expertise that you put into your book and put that into a video course. And if you don't want to be on camera, you could do like voiceover PowerPoint uh, type of thing. But once it's up there, it could sell for years. So there was a course that I produced in 2014 that still makes sales every month. And so that's kind of been a rewarding passive income stream and like all of these there are people who are going you know i'm a i'm a what, what's the phrase i'm a i'm a mile wide and an inch deep other people are going an inch uh, wide and a mile deep and they're you know they've created dozens and dozens of these udemy courses and they're doing partnerships with other instructors and they've got hundreds of thousands of students but um again another way to build up a little bit of passive income the drawback to you to me, and especially if you, if uh, your listeners are familiar with this, is they discount the crap out of everything. So, oh, this course is you know normally one hundred ninety five dollars. Well, today only it's twelve ninety nine. Except today only is like twenty days out of the month. Like it's they, they're always running these pretty heavy uh, yeah. promos. So they've trained their customers to to say this but is you, what you, you have a no course marginal is worth. cost. I mean, once you've created the thing, it's all just gravy basically. Right. So if you want to if you want to command higher prices for your courses, you kind of have to host it on your own, and you got to bring your own audience to the game. So that's the benefit of Udemy is their built-in database of students. And then Skillshare is another one. What's the difference between Udemy and Skillshare? So Udemy is a la carte. You know, you go and pick and choose the courses that you want. Skillshare operates like Netflix. It's a uh, monthly membership where you know you have uh, unlimited streaming access to their entire catalog. And then as the instructor, as you upload your course, you get paid based on the interest and engagement of like, okay, of our membership base, how many people took your course? I see. Uh-huh. So, but it's the same. You could have the same course on both. Yes. You just get paid differently. That's all. Yeah. 
Okay, then another one you have is to sell digital products on Fiverr. Fiverr people think of as a way of getting freelance, but how, how does that work to sell digital products there? So Fiverr, yes, it's, a, it's one of the big uh, freelance marketplaces and kind of a cool a la carte ordering service where it's like, hey, I can do XYZ for five bucks or in most cases more than that now. They've kind of graduated from from the $5 thing. But I wanted to, to test this out because it's like, you know, it, it was it stemmed from a podcast interview that I did on the Side Hustle Show with a guy who supposedly earned enough money on Fiverr in his first year to like buy a house. And he was somewhere in Chicago. So not like a crazy, you know, inexpensive uh, housing market. So like, how does that work? What, it, what could you possibly do for $5 that would be worth your while? And he explained like, no, 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 Nick, Nick, it's all about the upsell. It's all the $5 thing has got to be, you know, something you can deliver in uh, two seconds. And you just like, it's a PDF file. It's an audio file you've already created. And then if somebody wants your time, like they can buy that in the, in the upsells and the extras. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. So I ended up putting a couple of my books up for there, uh, for sale there. I ended up creating a couple other digital assets. Like one of them I have is like this big list of uh, blog post ideas. Another one is like, here's how to, uh, write your uh, Kindle book description. It's like, here's the formula that uh, that's worked for me. And so it's like, I don't necessarily want to do this work for you, but if you want to do it yourself here, let me guide you down that path. Yeah, so you, you, you kind of cook them in with the $5 thing, but then offer more personalized service, and that's when you can charge significant money, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, and they'll let you do custom gigs, I think up to 10 grand. So they've definitely graduated from like this, you know, race to the bottom uh, $5 marketplace. Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Nick Loper. He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. You see, he's got lots of different ideas about what you can do with your time to make money, as many, many people are doing these days. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nick Loper. He is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. Lots of ideas on how to make money from side hustles. Welcome back to the show, Nick. We are back. 
So we're talking about different side hustles. Another one you talk about is selling featured listings in directories. How does that work? One of um, this comes from a guest of mine actually, who has a, a food truck website specifically aimed at you helping uh, aspiring restaurateurs uh, start their food trucks. And what he found was um, there were a bunch of different uh, sellers uh, or out or um, what's the word? Um, you know, companies that would kind of outfit these big, you know, uh, vans and and trucks like to make them kitchen compatible. And so he's like, you know, he built this whole database of those types of companies. And then he had people reaching out to him like, hey, can we just, can we pay you? I think he had it sorted alphabetically or something or like by state. He's like, can we pay you to be at the top of the of the listing? He's like, of course you can. Like, let's make this happen. And so I ended up doing the same thing on a, a site of mine, actually that virtual assistant site that I was talking about, where it's like, you know, had people reaching out to me for years and I was kind of hesitant to do it. But then I, you know, looked at Google and looked at Yelp and looked at TripAdvisor and like every kind of review database directory does this where it's like, okay, here's the featured listings. Here's kind of the organic search results. So ended up doing that. And that has been a, a nice little incremental income stream. Now you talk about various forms of advertising. There's this traditional display ads on websites, but there's also non-display ads and YouTube ads. How do those work? So let's tackle the non-display ads first, because this is kind of an interesting one. So if we go back to the, um, the food truck guy, so maybe he, he takes a different approach. He's like, I don't want to have uh, banner ads uh, on my site, but I, these, these customers or these advertisers still want to get in front of my audience. Like, what would be another way to do that? Well, another way to do that is to place their retargeting pixels on the back end of your website. So they'll be able to create Facebook audiences, Google audiences to retarget uh, people who visited that website. They know they're interested in starting a food truck, but now they have the uh, the access and permissions and just make sure you update your you know privacy policy terms and conditions all that stuff to say like hey we may be doing this but an interesting way and you could host several of these at once so you're not cluttering up your site with ads but still helping advertisers you know reach that audience and then youtube ads is the other one that's typically you have to do an ad as a video or or it's provided to you but it's it it happens before or after your youtube video plays is that the idea Yes. So this is for YouTube creators. And I think it's only available to YouTube creators with over a thousand subscribers. But if you're creating content somewhat consistently, or, you know, you have a hit video or two, and and honestly, some of my best performing videos are just like how I solve this problem. It's like, you know, how to make Dropbox stop doing something weird or how to like solve this thing in Gmail, like not you know, over the top, you know, highly produced, you know, YouTube video with a lot of graphics and everything like that. Um, but the the interesting thing was I was talking to a friend of mine who is, actually is kind of like a YouTube celebrity. He's got, I don't know how many million subscribers now. But he was like, he didn't, he didn't have ads on his channel for a long time because he's like, I don't want ads. I don't want ads. Um, he's like, YouTube visitors, YouTube viewers, like expect ads. They don't understand that the channel creator has the option to toggle those on or off. They just think it's YouTube you know, showing an ad before their videos. He's like, well, you might as well turn them on and make some money. And there may be some evidence like algorithmically that Google now wants to show your videos to more people because they know they're making more money off it as well. So that's been an interesting, not a huge, again, this is like probably $100, $120 a month for me uh, at this point with a channel of 6,000 subscribers. Not a huge YouTube channel, but something that's been built up over time. Uh-huh. Um, 
but something, many, something uh, to add. Uh, it all adds up. Uh, so- it does. How many sources of passive income do you have, you think, if you add them all up? Uh, well, there's 23 listed on this site, and there's been actually a couple more that have added since then. As I was doing the research, like, well, let me try this. Usually they're like the alternative uh, investment type of plays. It's like, oh, let me throw some money over here and see what happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, now then, there's ways to invest in real estate. One's called Fundrise. How does that work? So Fundrise is an e-REIT. So that's a real estate investment trust, and they've got actually several different um, bundles of properties or REITs that they've kind of packaged together. It is not going to be as diversified as like, you know, a Vanguard REIT, like VNQ or something like that. Um, But in exchange, you know, the, again, curated list of properties, take it or leave it, whether you believe in their, um, you know, vetting process for for what they add to their portfolio. Um, but because of that, typically a higher yield than VNQ as well. So that's been something I've been playing around. Don't take this as you know investment advice or solicitation for investment. But I've been with, uh, been an investor there since late 2015, uh, and been happy with that. And then Peer Street is another way to invest in, in real estate. How does that work? Yeah, my journey in Peer Street actually started on a different peer-to-peer site, and that was Prosper.com. Uh, you know, way back, you know, probably 2011, I started with them, which was peer-to-peer loans, usually for debt consolidation, or, you know, I'm trying to save up and or pay for my wedding or something like that, personal loans, um, not backed by anything, just like no personal guarantee, no assets, you know, backing up. Um, Peer Street says, we're going to do something similar, but on real estate rehab projects. And so it's a larger minimum thousand dollars minimum per loan which i was nervous about um at the beginning like man if one of these goes south like that's a pretty good chunk to to lose out on but and actually had a deal go into foreclosure that they were able to recoup um and they do that because they have a pretty good equity cushion on on all these deals a pretty good loan to value on all these uh different deals so again we haven't had any major real estate downturns since i've been uh, on either of these platforms but it's one way as a uh, as a renter, not a homeowner, that have been adding real estate to the overall portfolio. Another thing you recommend is what's called Kick Further. People may be familiar with Kickstarter, but how does Kick Further work? Kick Further is an interesting startup out of Denver that, or Boulder, that helps growing e-commerce companies fund their next round of inventory, because one of the most popular side hustles and side hustles turned into full-time businesses is e-commerce and specifically selling on Amazon. And what I found, it's at least my friends who have done this have found is like, once you have a product that hits, you can't keep it in stock. And so you're plowing all of your profits back into more inventory, probably for that first year before you're taking any cash off the table for yourself. Very capital intensive business. So Kickfurther kind of came in to address that and say, okay, we can provide that capital at an attractive rate of return for your investors. You know, you have these, uh, these companies have some proven demand for their products. So you're not coming completely out of thin air and they're going to turn that over. They know it's going to turn over in, you know, five to seven months or something. So a little bit way, or a little bit of a way to kind of turn over that, um, that investment capital a little bit quicker. Terrific. Another one in the real estate space you talk about is Realty Mogul. How does that work? Realty Mogul, I haven't invested with them personally yet, but my understanding is it's similar to 
Actually, I'm not. I'm not going to speak to it because I'm probably going to mess it up. So I'm going to. I'm going to take a punt on that one. That's okay. <laughs> so let's kind of sum up here. Uh, when is it appropriate for somebody to spend time and effort looking into all these different side hustles if they're having trouble making enough money with their traditional job? Well, the thing to think about there is like no one is going to care more about your financial future than you are. So it's easy to say, okay, I'll look at this next month. I'm going to look at this next year. Or I'm going to look at this when things settle down at work. The timing is never going to be right. And you really have to take charge and kind of think of your household as a business in itself. Like what's your personal profitability look like? And that's income minus expenses. And you have to be really honest with yourself. Like, okay, sure, I can cut expenses, but there's only so much, I mean, I still got to eat and I still need a place to live. So it's like, you know, look at the income side. What can I do to increase income? And even if it's just, you know, dedicating half an hour a day to this stuff, I think it's a very worthwhile investment. So we talked about, you know, 23 different passive income streams. When I started, I had zero passive income streams, right? But I've built those up over the course of the last decade, decade and a half. Yeah. And so what... What do you think is the future of side hustling? Is this going to just get bigger and bigger? That's a, I wonder if it just becomes so mainstream where it's just like not even a thing anymore. It's We are seeing a shift towards kind of a freelance uh, economy, and that's to the benefit of freelancers to a certain extent. Like, okay, I've got some uh, flexibility. I can name my own price. There's some downsides to that as well, primarily in uh, the form of like, you know, benefits and insurance and like kind of this, the overhead cost that comes with full-time employees. But uh, for employers, it's a little bit more flexible too. Like I can, um, like in my business, I have a ton of very specialized freelancers that tackle, you know, one small segment of of the business. Like I don't need a full-time support staff, but I would like to hire somebody to edit my podcasts. And so that's a a service that I'm able uh, to buy on the freelance side. So definitely an increase in the, the freelance economy, the work from home economy, and excited to see where it goes in terms of like flexible earning power and people doing things that they care about, because that's ultimately what is going to sustain it, as, as, because it's hard. And so it's like, you got to have something that you care about to move forward with. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Nick Loper. Uh, he is the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. Uh, there's a lot of free content on his uh, website, uh, uh, blogs and podcasts, all kinds of ideas, a whole community to connect, connect with as well. So thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Nick. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.